0: (laughs) They call me microphone face. (laughs) We're here to talk about bread, lettuce, cheese, dead presidents, green. It's just money, man. It's just money. Hi, welcome
1: to It's Just Money. You've got your doctor.
2: Dr. Matt Anderson, PhD in psychology. Your creative. Raul Contreras,
0: filmmaker and designer.
1: And I'm Jared Stafis, an entrepreneur with a master's in personal finance. Ultimately, this podcast is about people and their relationship with money.
2: On today's episode, we have Jack Kenyon. Awesome to have him as our first guest. Jack is a financial advisor and lawyer with Legacy Advisory. Jack, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: I'm a second-generation financial advisor. My dad started Legacy Advisory. It was the the family business. Ah, Okay. Um, I took a break and went to law school at the University of Kansas for three years. Right. Um, Got my legal training. I'm a member of the bar in in the state of Kansas. Um, And then came back and have been doing the full-time advisory business for... Seven years now at Legacy Advisory. We're a wealth management firm, which basically means, in the simplest terms, that we do both financial planning and investment management. Right, right. A lot of firms either do financial planning or they do investment management. If you do both and you try to have a view into every aspect of your client's financial life, they call that wealth management. Okay. It's a little bit of my story.
2: Well, that's helpful to know. Now, you said you're second generation. That's so right. So, one of the questions. I was kind of thinking is so what do you, what is one of your earliest memories about how you understand money?
3: Um, my dad was an entrepreneur. So, uh, a big, the, one of the, one of the earliest memories I have, do you guys remember back in the nineties, a lot of video games demos got sent out on CD and got mailed to houses. This was oh, like sorry. a direct marketing mm-hmm. one came, I think it was in third grade and I happened to be at my dad's office that day. And, um, one came and I was trying to make it work and I didn't understand how to work. And I, I go, the game was called entrepreneur. And I was like, dad, was an entrap, near And he goes entrepreneur. And he looks at the guy that he was having a meeting with, who was also an entrepreneur. And he said, son, an entrepreneur is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's I think that's probably th- clients. Yeah. yeah exactly. Way <laughs> a better yeah. definition yeah. than mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Identify and describe a memory where you kind of started to understand that money, money existed
3: as value and like it wasn't just a thing this i actually have i i know exactly what it was and it wasn't my dad which is surprising because i had a close relationship with my dad and a lot of lessons come from him but with my it was my mother's father so my maternal grandfather decided when i was five or six that he was going to start sending me ten dollars as an allowance in the mail a month hmm. and my parents i didn't have an allowance for my parents or whatever so this is like it was a foreign concept to me I had heard about it from other kids but he made a deal with me he said at Christmas time however much money you've saved I will give you that amount more so I think it I think it was I think it was about I think it was the number I have in my head is I saved 77 of the 120 dollars that he sent to me that year and he was, like, super excited about it because, like, his lesson had worked. Mm-hmm. But I think that's probably my earliest memory. I would have borrowed $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> Jared's, Jared's, Jared's on $1, margin $1, here. Yeah. 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 Super leverage. He's, he's, he's the only seven-year-old with a banker. <laughs> I really need two grand now. <laughs> Pay back my high interest rate debt. So, like, I guess that along with the rest of what I learned growing up from my dad about, about money was don't let money be a limitation. Mm-hmm. And so I think that understanding that whatever money conversations you have here is against the backdrop of America.
2: That we are more willing to exchange our time for money. Our
3: time, our energy, our efforts, that's, our stress levels, right. our everything, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, it you know, it's led to a lot of prosperity. Right. right. So that's definitely one of the main inputs into prosperity in America is yeah. the hard work, is the exchanging of time for that stuff. It's just not the only way to necessarily mm-hmm. look at things
2: yeah that's the water we're swimming in so we're that's used exactly, to it exactly so being able to think critically so, about that may be helpful
3: so that can that can lead to different things uh for different people so one personality might since it's the water they swim in see that as all of life mm. this happens a lot and it happens you know see it happen with people and manifest in a lot of different ways. It's, it's, it's stereotypical at this point, but I think it still happens. And because people have a very difficult time viewing themselves from the outside, Mm. it's often call it undiagnosed, but people do buy stuff because they have money available. And the act of buying something keeps them moving down the path they're going because it's like a little bit of uh, almost like a drug. Oh, right? Right. You just get a little shot of something positive mm-hmm. and then you start feeling negative again mm-hmm. and it, then you have money available because, but maybe the reason that you have the negative feelings in the first place are because of the way you're getting the money,
2: uh, okay. right? Cause it could right, be right. the job or it could it's be or not having or a, a,
3: a proper relationship with money. If you think of your life as money, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people end up doing at, at their base. Hmm. I think as a baseline for all of this stuff, it's important to understand that dreams and concepts and expectations are all a function of your starting point. Um, as humans, I think I've seen that a lot in my practice, but if you think about like, someone that lives in an agrarian society can literally not have the same dream as someone who is in a modern society with a lot of access to capital and opportunity and so on and so forth, because their brains literally can't imagine the same things because of what. Mm -hmm. So their concept of a dream is going to be different. So I think that because not everybody in America has exactly the same circumstances, it's good for us to um, see the American dream manifest differently for different people. Mm -hmm. so your American dream that's well so that said I what I would say is with between working with clients because I work with clients across the wealth and um, income spectrum and I think the American dream has to have for me at least has to have a really strong amount of freedom Mm -hmm. I think that's the distinction between America and and a lot of other places Um, and a lot of times that ends up working out because freer markets tend to produce more capital, which tends to produce more total wealth for a society. Um, Freedom can lead to money, but it's not money itself. Your American dream. So, Oh, (laughs) for myself. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I, I think my American dream actually mirrors the successful lives of a lot of my clients too. And essentially what that is, is you, you get your life set up in such a way that you have some margin at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. And so the happier people, the the correlation between what they actually have, like the house, the car, the whatever, the income and um, how much they're fulfilling their American dream. It's not it's not about the gross numbers. It's more about what is the net at the end of the month. So if you can live at 10% below your means, so that there Mm -hmm. is something you're contributing towards the future,
2: Mm -hmm.
3: able to stay in the present. And then I think with a lot of that, a lot of those people end up getting to disengage with money regardless of the amount. There's a certain minimum amount you gotta have. Right. Right. And it just is. And a lot of people don't have it. And so they're gonna be stressed. But if you can get to the point, and this is for me too, if you can get to the point that you have uh, have made a minimum benchmark on your income so that you can stop worrying about it, mm-hmm. and then you can just focus on what it is that you're good at and then can bring to the world because you're not spending so much of your time and your energy trying to solve these other problems that are just basically lack, not enough. Um, I think that that's, that's the American dream is that you have a shot to get there. It takes a long time. I think it should take a long time, but that there can be a path towards getting to that. And that, that kind of comes back into like why I think profit is good. Actually, I want to address this really quick. We live in a capitalist society, right? What that means is you need to acquire capital. Everybody has the ability to acquire capital. All it is is just savings over a long period of time that eventually produces a profit for you. And the way that people's retirements are structured is I get enough capital that I essentially am able to pay myself a salary on a perpetual basis no matter how long I live. That's what a lot of people are doing, right? So if you can get to the point, it's not a moral absolute, but if you can get to the point that you've built a capital stack, call it retirement, call it a savings account, whatever you want to call it, so that you can fund... You have a financing source for the things you're going to do with your time anyways. That might be a fun dream. Right now, you're making 90% of what you need to make. Whatever you're doing to make the next thing, because you're not contributing to that future. And that just means you're 10% short and you've decided it's okay. That's where I'm going to cut from.
1: Hey, you've got money questions. We've got money answers. It's Just Money Live is coming up. Check out our Facebook page for details. Make sure you don't miss your opportunity to participate. All right, we'll see you then. The idea that you can make more than your means, have a margin, save to the future and and kind of build a lifestyle that you
3: prefer. So yeah, but I think that the, the lifestyle part of it is like, that's an expectations question and people have a tremendous amount of influence on their own expectations. So you can get there both ways you know, they're the famous research studies where they correlate income to happiness. Sure. Right. right. Which is you know, notoriously difficult thing to measure anyways, but assuming that it has some validity, right. Right. I think on, on, we don't, a, we in, don't like
0: assumptions here. On
3: a, <laughs> <laughs> I think on an inflation adjusted basis, like the nominal is probably around 75 or 80,000 a year in family income. So median income in the United States is around 60. Um, that's like the middle point. Um, But I think 75 or 80 is where you hit peak happiness. So you're getting happier all the way up, probably, on average. Not everybody. I know a lot of people that have very little money that are the best people and the happiest people Mm -hmm. and contribute the most to society. Which is speaking to your expectations and
0: your own mental
1: view. When you say
0: expectations, do you mean like uh, when you have car problems or when you have bills to pay and like where you're not stressed about paying those kinds of things or –
3: Well, being stressed about it, about that sort of thing, right, is is, there's a value system there, right? So I'm stressed about this thing for maybe a practical purpose. I can't use my car. Well, there are practical solutions. There is public transit. There are other things you can – I've done this before. You can actually do quite a bit of walking. Um, But then there's the social expectation of if I can't pay the thing I'm expected to pay, then that makes me a bad person, right? Some people get to the point where like, wait, that's dumb. So you find that people who can't pay bills,
1: that's a common theme. I mean, that's what we're trying to pull from for sure that they might feel bad or as if they've done something wrong because they don't have the money.
3: And I think that I I, I think that a lot of people do um, feel bad because they don't have the money, but it doesn't seem to correlate very much to how much money they have, how much money they have coming. There's not, if, if, if the, and this is personal experience, right? I'm not a living study, but I've, I've I've dealt with a lot of people and their money. There doesn't seem to be a strong correlation between the amount of money somebody has coming in and the way they feel about whether or not they can pay their bills and their stress there. So that's why the expectations game, I think is such an important thing is because it doesn't matter if they're making 40,000 I've seen in both ways or 400,000. Um, we
1: definitely threw some things out there that I want to unpack for other people too. Mm -hmm. The research in a nutshell, says for every dollar somebody makes more, Mm -hmm. they achieve more happiness on a happiness scale. So there's no real connection. This is just correlation. Right. And what they found was, as they interviewed people, was that as they made more money, that dollars in the beginning made a lot more of an impact into how much more happy they became. But what we have is a climbing chart and then we hit $75,000 and it's like, and again, family income, which is defined as all income. Uh, So if there's a husband and wife and they each make $35,000, they're at 70 K. When they hit 75 as a couple or as a family, they start to plateau. You still get happier as you earn more money. Uh, And what was most interesting is, is as they go up for each dollar, it, plateau plateau's farther into the point where it starts making very small impact in their lives and what was even more fascinating with the research was that after plateauing for long enough at about 150 175 I think, it's 175, yeah, I, think it's, I, I thought it was 200 okay so somewhere over 150 definitely I think it was under 200 they actually can start being negatively affected by this income mm-hmm. so uh, what'll happen is is uh, or everything's well, correlation and
3: I, I, I theories have a, at this I, point,
1: but theories being potentially that the stress required to maintain those funds and that income, yeah, maybe gets there because with money we constantly have this emotional reaction, like we don't have control. And if anything, Jack's been illustrating is his idea of believing people have expectations and that they have a lot more control than they realize. And so I always just say, you're going to grow into your income. So you might as well view savings as spending. So if you are in that scenario and you're at $75,000 and you all of a sudden jump to 85, you're either going to spend it or you're going to view it as spending and you're going to save $10,000.
0: All I have is my perspective. And, and what you guys are saying is kind of interesting because, um, I recently got a raise and a promotion at my job and as a creative, I always feel like you're you're underappreciated, um, and so you're paid less than you feel like your value is. And once I, I I'm sort of now just coming to the idea that okay, I'm sort of I'm getting paid what I feel like my value is, but at the same time, I can feel like the little itch that like oh, but maybe I feel like I'm valued a little more right now, you know? And, and when will that stop, you know? So yeah, kind of what you said,
2: Ro, about kind of what sense of our value to a company. And then I think more recently I've been exposed more to the, like the other side of like being like leading, trying to lead a company and sell things and realizing the market doesn't care what you think your thing's worth. And so you're just trying to see. Like Jared often says, what, how much money will people give you? Um, So I get both of those and it's just, it's a, there's a very different mindset on yeah. Like what is my value to a company versus what is a company's value to their consumer? And the way to think about it is just very different. And so, yeah. I, I don't have an answer. Like you said, I'm just like, I'm seeing that uh, the distinction between those ways of
0: seeing value and money. Sure. Yeah. And I think the, the, the consumer and I, I most times I do feel like a consumer because we, I mean, we all should, but um, within that it's hard to decide what the actual value is. Um, I think in terms, because you have such emotion attached to whatever it is you're putting the value into Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not sure if everybody feels that way and that's, that's yeah, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you, that you brought up, you know, like that perspective on it. Um, because when I think of, um, buying material things like that, like you said, a gold chain or nice car or whatever, like some people will see that as the American dream. Mm-hmm. I think,
3: I think part of that comes back to, I think this is what happens with a lot of people is a lot of people go into the thinking of, well, at least I have. If you're in a middle, lower middle income area, job, whatever, and you're content with your lower middle income house and everybody's fed and so on and so forth, maybe the $15,000 car when really your budget should be like a $7,000 car, but it's the car you want, that's the thing you can go back to in your own mind and kind of go, when things are bad, well, at least I have. And it gives you a sense of accomplishment for yourself. And I think that that happens... At every level,
0: right? And you think some of your clients are as are saying that? Um, like at least I have, even on the higher end.
3: I think everybody's doing that. I think absolutely everybody's doing that. I mean, the, the stories that are published between rich guys building bigger yachts to compete with one another, you know, like are, are ubiquitous. Like that's, I don't think you can escape that entirely as a human, right? Because I, I my my, pers- my my absolutely just personal opinion. This is. I don't have any research, but my opinion is that everybody everywhere is basically just going through the world, telling themselves that they're all right. And that that's sort of what existence is to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And they do a lot of different things to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then money, because it's the most liquid thing Mm -hmm. um, gets used a lot towards those purposes.
2: This is for you particularly in the study, um, which was cited quite a bit is talking about financial advisors. So in the crux of it is they were looking at the difference between um, financial advisors who are high expertise versus those, uh, and those with high benevolence. I mean, they show uh, the emotional compassion towards their clients. And what they found was that in low emotional difficulty situations, that people were, were willing, more were willing to talk to the people with high, advi- high expertise. Mm-hmm. But in high emotionally difficult situations, Mm decision-making they preferred talking to people with high benevolence and overall they found that um, customers uh, were more confident of the accuracy of the predominantly benevolent providers than they were the predominantly expertise providers. So any thoughts on the findings of that research?
3: I think that actually is consistent with a sort of bigger idea. Um, Part of the thing that makes money money, so hard is because it is very numerate, but it's Would value. Define numerate for us. It, it's very numerical. right? Okay. Like I can define it just as a number, mm-hmm. which is one of the things that's most easily defined for a lot of humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but its value is very, very um, dynamic or varied. Mm-hmm. And so it means that you're in this constant tension. On what is this enough? Is this not enough? And then my benchmarks change. What does it mean? Is it worth it? Do I have satisfaction? And um, I, I think that that's part of the reason that you have, and, and money, the number, means different things at different times, mm-hmm. right? So like the easy example is when you're young, you have $150, and it's like a king's ransom. right? Because you don't have bills, you don't have whatever, right? And when you're older, you have $200,000 in retirement, and you're like, I don't know if that's going to get me through retirement. Mm. Um, So I think the benevolence and expertise bit with financial advisors makes a lot of sense because a lot of what advisors are doing or should be doing is trying to walk alongside their clients as they navigate. What is a windy road? Mm. Because definitions change, feelings change, priorities change, values change, incomes change, expenses change. So sometimes what you need is the emotional part of the person to be solid. And sometimes what you need is the disciplined side of a person to be solid. Mm. And so I, I don't know. I suppose that having just heard that statistic, getting people's behavior to actually match what is best for them Mm. sometimes will require a lot of emotional work Mm -hmm. and sometimes it will require just a lot of expertise because they're willing to say whatever you say. Right. And get to the right answer. Yeah. But I think it goes back and forth because of that, because all the stuff with money is variable.
2: Right.
1: And there's nothing more difficult. uh, I mean, from anybody I ever find myself consulting in any industry or any person and and they're talking about change Mm -hmm. and then they introduce the ugly word behavioral change. I I stop them because a lot of times people think it's the easiest change because it just involves, well, I just have to talk to these people Turn and the, the behavior off. changes yeah. on our switch. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah. I don't have to go buy a million dollars in equipment. I don't right. have to overhaul my phone system. I don't have to, you know, I just have to get people to act different. There's nothing harder. So I always say like, you'd much rather have to make a large investment. Oh yeah. Behavioral
3: changes yeah. is the
1: most difficult change to drive home.
3: Yeah. So people are more valuable than money. In a business context, I mean, people are more valuable anyways, but, um, but like within a business context, you know, human capital, and this is going to be even more true going into the future. Ironically with the rise of AI, I think that human capital will become even more valuable as a part of the capital stack in corporations because, Mm -hmm. um, because they're replaceable what we do with financial planning is, you know, you get a financial plan. So we put a ton of time together at the beginning of a relationship, get to know the person, understand the very pragmatic, what are your income, your expenses, where do you live? Where do you come from? So on and so forth. Try to understand them emotionally too, how they relate to money, what their relationship with money is like. But then the real value in the plan is once you put the plan together is being able to come back to it every year. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't see that you're either progressing or not progressing then the plan had zero value, right? It doesn't matter how much expertise was in there. It, it had zero value. It had absolutely no effect on the actual outcomes.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So we do it every year, try to come back and say, well, where were we? Cause people aren't real good at relating to time either. Five years goes by and they're like, wow, it's been five years. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like that. Right. right. So you need these objective markers out there to be able to say your behavior is not changing. Mm-hmm. Your behavior is changing. So on and so forth. And, and, and I, I hope that most financial planners do that too, that it's not just a product. Mm-hmm. Here's your financial plan. Right. See you again in five years if you want to come back. But that it's a product that comes with a process to monitor whether or not the plan is being implemented and working.
2: And then being able to emotionally process. Yeah. So to find out what are the blockages, which are usually and, emotional but, yeah. Then
3: and, and, and cognitive. The, or but that, that's part of the theory. reason the time factor is so important too mm-hmm. is because you know that like people don't, people don't change and understand the first time they're confronted with something.
2: Oh, for sure. They have
3: to get real comfortable with, Oh, that is actually the reality. It's different than what I thought it was. Mm -hmm. I am probably different than I thought I was. So being able to come back to a thing and then be keeping track. Mm -hmm. We had this conversation last year. Do you want to continue this happening? We've had this conversation for three years in a row. Do you want to continue to not be hitting your savings goals? Do you want to continue to feel like you don't have enough money? You, all of these sorts of things. Right, right. To get at. And you need the time because because people just, people just
1: can't. They can't. On a dime. Things right towards the end there where I'm like, I want to open that Pandora's box. I want to open that Pandora's <laughs> box. But we can't. But we will promise we'll be back hmm.
3: mm-hmm. and
1: we will have more of these conversations. Thank you for listening or watching It's Just Money. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If so, please subscribe so you don't
2: miss out. Also, leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, please comment below. But remember, it's just money. Thanks for sticking around. Here's a clip from our next episode: a few that had a lot of resources and the many who had very little.
1: It's basically development and research stop because I will just go somewhere else where I
0: do make. But it kind of ties into the point, what you were saying, though, in pharmaceuticals, like, are the rich making you poor? It kind of is if you're spending all of your money just to live.